Hi, I'm Jalen Rose. Welcome to this week's episode of Renaissance Man. This week's theme is be yourself because everyone else is taken. Featuring artist and musician, Robin Thicke. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. And tell a friend to tell a friend. Make sure you check out the column each Thursday in the New York Post. Also, check us out on YouTube. Download subscribe leave a comment a five-star rating i just want to send a shout out to hunter from richmond virginia and say i appreciate the love but you know what else i really appreciate your better half calling j and j taking the time leaving a voicemail how about both of you take the time download and subscribe to the renaissance man podcast and leave a five-star rating. How about y'all do that? But in all seriousness, I appreciate the love. This week's theme is be yourself because everyone else is taken. And imagine being a skinny, bumpy-faced kid growing up on the northwest side of Detroit with bad teeth and wanting to play college basketball. Some of my favorite teams were led by John Thompson, Georgetown, Hoya Paranoia. And then Derek Coleman went to Syracuse, the OG from Detroit, the Orangeman, wearing long shorts to my knees when he brought him home. And then Doug Smith went to Missouri. And then Anderson Hunt went to UNLV and became a running rebel, a Detroit Southwestern prospector, winning Final Four MVP, playing with Larry Johnson, Stacey Ogman, balling on the big stage. I didn't know I was going to be on the big stage and perform the next year against the same team, the Duke Blue Devils. But what made it different was the journey. They were loved by mass media. Yes, and those that wrote in the newspaper or the beat writers, people that covered the team, they thought we were being controversial. They thought we were trying to make a statement. You know what we were actually doing? Just being ourselves. It just so happened that we represented the inner city, the black culture, loved rap music, and hip-hop. Here's one thing I knew. I cared about my fashion. I wanted to look good. I wanted to be authentic. You know why? Because that's when I was the most confident. That's when I was mostly myself. So here's the story of the Black Sox. We were in the hotel. I was playing John Madden. 92, LT, Russian, Everson Walls, picking off. And all of a sudden, Ray Jackson walks into the room with his guy, Lil Rob. They just came from the mall. They got some gray Nike socks with the blue Nike and the swoosh at the ankle. I looked and I was like, did they have those in black? But I was like, hmm, if they got those in blue, 
Or if they got those in black, we can rock those with our uniforms and rock those with our black shoes in the game. The fellas love that thought. So we immediately scurried to the mall. Five minute walk. And you know what we realized? The entire mall in the early 90s had three total pairs of black socks. And to be honest with you, we didn't have enough pairs, as I just said. So I actually wore black dress socks that game against Rice. So what we did is we weren't going to tell the rest of the team. We weren't going to tell the coaching staff. We weren't going to tell anybody. Keep your warm-up pants on until it's time to go out for the jump ball. At that point, it's too late to cancel the game or to coach the benches or to do anything drastic because it's five of us, not just one of us. And so we brought it in, one, two, three, team, family, defense, whatever we said. And then we snatched off the warm-up pants. Cuckoo, 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 cuckoo. The legend was made. Fab Five was rocking black socks in an NCAA basketball game. And it was five freshmen, something that had never been done before. So during the game, it was crazy because the players on the other team, the referees, the fans, our coaches, Everybody was bugging out by the fact that we were all wearing black socks. However, the reaction at the time in the Big Ten, there were angry-faced coaches. Not that they weren't all-time greats, but that's just how they led their team. Bobby Knight in Indiana, Gene Katie in Purdue. So the reaction was negative. We were wearing ball heads. Black shoes, black socks, long shorts, listening to rap music. And all of a sudden, we became rebels with a cause. Because if you're going to treat us like we're bad human beings because we're being ourselves, we might as well embrace being the villain and go out and put in work. And that's what we did. And as I look back almost 30 years later, I realize, I accept, I appreciate, I am so very gracious that being myself paid off. And my next guest has made a living, made a life, made a career of being authentic to himself. And up next, artist, musician, Robin Thicke. My next guest is a singer, a songwriter, such a talented musician, also a judge on the mass singer, and just one of my favorite artists and people in the game. Welcome to the show, Robin Thicke. Woo! Yes, I'm clapping for myself because there's nobody here. We no in question. This, we in this COVID right now. <laughs> you, you deserve it. Absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. As many folks know, your dad is the late, great Alan Thicke, yes. star of Growing Pains. Man. Your mother was an actress as well as in entertaining. So it's clearly in your bloodlines. How did you decide on being a singer versus following your parents' footsteps? 
Well, I didn't even know it when I was young. I just, you know, some things you just kind of know early, you know, and, and I love singing like Michael Jackson and Prince and, and Aretha when I was like 10 years old. And then I'd get some attention because people would be like, wow, you, you got a nice voice. And then that, you know, anything when you're a kid that builds that kind of self-confidence that, hey, I might be good at something, you know, like the first time you went out on the court and you were like, hey, this comes kind of naturally. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's the same feeling musically. And it turns out on my mother's side of the family, we have about six generations of musicians. There were traveling family bands, uh, child prodigy violin players. My grandfather was a jazz trumpet player. His father was a jazz trumpet player. So, you know, we've been trying to be black for generations. You know what I mean? <laughs> you ain't got to try. We already <laughs> had you in the Dave Chappelle draft years ago, <laughs> decades ago. We, are, we already drafted you. I'm not the first in my family to be inspired, you know? <laughs> you ain't have a choice. I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> I was doing some research on you. And I heard this crazy story that when the great Wayne Gretzky was traded to the L.A. Kings, he was babysitting you. Please tell me more in detail. Yes, this is actually I have my hand in a couple of uh, special <laughs> moments in sports history. But my, my biggest is Wayne Gretzky. So, yes, my father had taken my older brother to Russia for a 10 day trip. So I was attending Joe Torre baseball camp in the mm -hmm. Valley. So I'm at Joe Torre baseball camp every morning. Wayne and Janet Gretzky are, but they hadn't been married yet. They were just staying uh, for the summer at our house as guests. And they were staying in my dad's room uh, for the 10 days that he was gone with my brother. So the phone call comes in the morning. I'm, I'm about to leave for Joe Torrey baseball camp. I answer the phone. It's Bruce McNall. Hey, Bruce. Hey, Robin, I need you to wake Wayne up. Because they were, my dad, they were all very friendly. You know, my father was always mixed up. He went to the forum every every second night. You know, he never missed the Kings game, barely missed the Laker game. Like my dad loved it. I remember Magic Johnson had a great quote that said, the first celebrity I ever hung out with in Los Angeles was Alan Thicke. That's dope. <laughs> like my dad, that's long. My, my dad, uh, you know, my dad just loved he was from a small town in, in northern Ontario, Canada, and he loved everything about Hollywood and sports. And he was just he was mixed up in it. So I get the call from Bruce McNall. He wants me to wake up, Wayne. I'm like, shit, OK, so I'm knocking on the door. Wayne, Wayne, you know, I'm like 10 years old, you know, whatever that whatever year that was, 11 years old, I think. And so Wayne gets the phone. I go to camp. I come back from camp and Wayne is in Edmonton on a podium wow. <laughs> saying that he has been traded and he's crying. And I'm like, holy, what? <laughs> that was the 7 a.m. phone call from Bruce McNall. And I, I got Wayne on the phone. So Edmonton will never forgive me. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> for the part I played. But yeah, it was a pretty great story. What a legendary story. And he's, when you start talking about all-time goats and whatever sport, People better put some respect on his name for real. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, uh, that's, there's nobody come close to those numbers yet, you know? Absolutely. So as I mentioned, the theme for this episode is be yourself. Everyone else is taken. The late great music executive, Andre Huero, was a huge part of breaking you into the industry. What did you learn from him and about being true to yourself and to, true to your music? Well, the rest in peace, the godfather uh, to my son, Andre Harrell, who uh, was not only my mentor and closest friend, 
but was also my creative partner. Every album, every song, every video, every single cover, there wasn't anything I didn't run by him or, or get his information. You know, like the great Lee Daniels and a handful of us like Puffy. And, you know, we all knew that his advice was probably the best advice you're going to get. And we, a lot of us would only listen to him, you know what I mean? Right. And he was that gifted. And the reason was because he could see you and see all of the things you could be. A lot of us, when we're young, we only see, I'm going to be a, a rock star or a rap star. Or I'm going to be a ball player. I'm gonna, but he says, no, then you're going to go to China and do this. Then you're going to go to Europe and do this. Then you're going you're to have a cologne and you're going to have a, he saw the whole thing from the first handshake. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the first listen of the music. And so he really opened up my whole life into a way that uh, is un- unmatchable. And what he taught me very early on, I was talented. You know, I had, it just like anything, I had talent. But I didn't know where to put it. And then he taught me that your talent won't mean much unless you connect with people. Unless your goal and your mission is to connect with the world. Don't show off to them. Don't just show them everything you can do. Connect with them. You know, tell your story and connect it to their story. And so everything that I've done since then has always been to try to share my life in a soulful, honest way and to connect with people and make them feel a little less alone. Because I grew up in a big house with my dad working all the time. Mom was gone all the time. My brother had the skull and crossbones on his door. So I was just kind of a lonely kid, you know, in a big house, you know, but the piano was there. So I'd go to the piano and I'd let my loneliness out and something beautiful came from that. So, so uh, I think it's just about, he really taught me to like that. He said, Stevie wonder if Stevie wonders at a party and you're hanging out with him, he'll just hop on the piano and start playing songs. Mm. He gives his gift away. Do you know what I mean? He gives it to you. And then it's, it's inevitable that the world gives Stevie back the energy he deserves, you know, because he gives so much. One of the things I see and Andre was, legendary for doing this is the nurturing of a young artist. Now it seems like the goal is to have a hot record and then you don't necessarily become a full artist. Like you just mentioned, you play the piano, you do the instruments, you sing, you write. So what do you think about that as it relates to developing an artist in today's industry? Well, that you just put it, set me up so perfectly. Andre didn't develop the artist. He developed the human being. He developed the whole person. Do you know what I mean? He gave you so much information about how to deal with people, how to keep your swag, but still be kind, have confidence in your vision, but be open-minded to new information. Do you know all the, the basic things of life that can make you a good person. Accomplishments will come when you are hardworking, kind, charming, fun to be around. If you get the basics down, life and doors will open up for you. That's real game, for real. And congratulations, you just dropped a new record called Fired Up. Yes. And it's with the NFL. That is crazy. Tell us about the new track. Yes. Well, the, uh, this actually came about from a jam session. When I first started working on uh, this album, we hit the studio with the band and, you know, we just try to throw as many ideas around. And we ended up with this great groove. And then after a while, a lot of the new album I have coming out is really like soulful, groovy love song. And this one just kind of like was its own thing. So luckily the NFL heard it. They loved it. And uh, we made a partnership with them, with the charity. 
with the NFL charity to um, inspire change. And, uh, you know, so it's just a real positive movement that the NFL is trying to be a part of in Rock Nation and Jay-Z. And, and I was lucky enough that my song was able to be a part of this whole family teamwork. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Before I let you get out of here, I do a rapid fire segment called Gone in 60 Seconds. Let's get into it. Many folks don't know you're Canadian-American. Please pick between these Canadian artists, Drake or Bieber. Oh, you know, I love I love me some Biebs, but I got to <laughs> go with Drizzy Drake. <laughs> no doubt. That's a tough one, I know. How about Shania Twain or Celine Dion? Okay, another great story. Because my father yes. happened to be closest friends with David Foster before either one of them made it in Canada. I got to be around the Celine movement very early, just like a studio session. However, the Shania Twain story is even better. Shania Twain, when she came to Los Angeles to try to get a record deal. Her manager knew my father from way back in the day in Canada, and uh, she came and stayed in our guest house for two weeks while she went to record companies to get a record wow. deal. So I got to shout out my girl Shania, because she stayed at the house. That's love. That's She's dope. part of our Canadian brethren. You've written songs for stars like Michael Jackson, Pink, and Mark Anthony. Who would you like to write a song for next, dead or alive? Oh, wow, well. I love uh, her, H-E-R. You know, I think mm -hmm. that she's, she, there's something about her that just, yes. uh, just just oozes all the right things. Besides your amazing dad, give me your other favorite TV dad. Oh, that's a good one. Well, you know, I was more, I was more partial to Ted Danson. You know what I mean? Legend. I, I, I was a cheers Legend. man. You know what I mean? I was a cheers man. I liked, uh, you know, how Ted be holding it down. Making a way in the world today. He had the good hair. You know, he's always talking about his good hair, you know. <laughs> I like Ted dancing. Two more and I'll let you get out of here. I appreciate the love. You're an L.A. sports fan. How many titles does LeBron James win with the Lakers? Oh, you know, I think two. I think we're going to repeat this year. I don't think anybody's got the swag that the Lakers have this year. And then after that, you know, the pieces are going to have, you know, we'll see what happens. But I, I think we got this one. Finally, and you have a newborn and you've made so many great songs to set the mood for all of us. But tell me the favorite song of yours to set the mood. You know what? That's that's funny. Um, it's more of an album. You know, it's an album vibe. You know, like I used to put on... Uh, Marvin's I Want You. Then I would play uh, D'Angelo's Brown Sugar. But uh, I definitely can't hear my own music. That's for sure. No. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> if no. my music come on, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Skip. Exactly. Next rate. Go change Pandora. Do exactly. something. Exactly. Change. Siri, please. Anything Robin but Robin Thicke. Play Robin Thicke. No, anything but Robin <laughs> Exactly. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the time. and look forward to catching up soon. Yeah, man. Lots of love to you, Jalen. Thanks for having me, man. Yes, indeed. This week's last call is about authenticity. Another way that I like to say it is keeping it real. Authenticity is representing one's true nature or beliefs or staying true to oneself. Like our guest, Robin Thicke. 
A key to an artist having a long and successful career is all about being true to yourself. And in return, it comes out in his music. There are several other benefits of being authentic. Let's start off with trust. When you're true to yourself, you not only trust the judgments and decisions that you make, but others trust you as well. Secondly, is R-E-S-P-E-C-T, respect. People will respect you for standing by your values and beliefs. Last and certainly not least, when you're authentic, you also have integrity, which demands honesty and truthfulness. And remember, you will never truly be free until you're living in authenticity. I'm Jalen Rose, Renaissance Man. I love you and see you next week.